The following sermon is by Josh Tancordo, the teaching pastor at Redeeming Grace Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Redeeming Grace is a gospel-centered church that values rich biblical teaching and authentic Christian community. Learn more by visiting our website at redeeminggracepittsburgh.com. Good morning. Well, we're preaching this series on the five solas of the Reformation, uh, not because we have any particular interest in history, but because these issues are just as relevant and just as urgent today as then. One of the central issues during the Reformation was on what basis God declares sinners justified or righteous. So today, we'll look at the doctrine of sola fide, which is a Latin phrase that means faith alone. The Roman church then taught and still preaches today that God works in believers to produce or infuse them with righteousness that results in good works, and it is based in part on those good works that God justifies the sinner. The reformers, however, insisted that sinners are justified by faith alone. In fact, Martin Luther even said that the doctrine of sola fide is the article upon which the church stands or falls. What he meant by that was if you lose justification by faith alone, you lose the gospel And if you do not have the gospel, the church has no reason to exist. Sola fide is what makes the gospel good news. And I want to, I hope you can see that this morning. If you're a Christian this morning, I want you to close your eyes for a moment and reflect carefully on this past week. I want you to think about your behavior this past week. Were your words honorable and wholesome? How about your thoughts? Were they pure or were there times when they were unworthy of a child of God? Be honest with yourself. Okay, now I want to ask you a question. Are you confident that God is pleased with you and that you stand before him now justified. If we understand sola fide, then two thoughts should immediately come to our minds. First, that even as believers, if our justification before God is dependent upon our own righteousness, then not only are we not justified, But we will be condemned and we'll go to hell. That's true of me and that is true of you as well. But praise God for the second truth, which is what we're going to be looking at this morning. That if we are united to Christ through faith, then yes, we can stand before God this morning in confidence, having been declared justified and perfectly righteous before God. If you believe, then through faith 
You are in Christ, and he is in you. And therefore, it is not your works that testify on your behalf, but Christ's works. When God the Father looks upon you as a believer, he sees the perfect obedience of his Son and declares you who are in Christ righteous. Believers stand justified, not based upon any righteousness of our own, but based upon a righteousness that God himself has provided in Jesus. Our good deeds and good works, while important in other ways, contribute absolutely nothing to God's verdict that we are innocent and accepted. We add nothing to the perfect work of Christ. And our acceptance is based upon our union with Christ through faith and nothing else. Brothers and sisters, the doctrine that sinners are justified by faith in Christ alone is the heart of the gospel. I pray right now in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that if you come to only understand one doctrine, it would be this one. It is the burden of my heart this morning that every one of you leaves here today with a clear understanding of this one vital truth that God justifies sinners through their faith in Christ alone. And that's the main point of the message this morning. God justifies sinners through their faith in Christ alone. Faith in Christ is not just necessary. It is sufficient. So if you are in any way toying with the idea that you have some righteousness of your own, that no matter how small could contribute to your acceptance by God, I pray you would be so convicted by the word of God this morning that you would repent of your attempts at self-righteousness and instead trust on Christ alone. I also pray this morning that if you are a believer who is struggling with your assurance, your joy, or your confidence in the Lord, that you would be so encouraged by the word of God this morning that your burdens would fall away as you come to better understand this gospel truth. After all, who can bring an accusation before, against you before God if it is God who has declared you justified? In the gospels, there's only one example of Jesus declaring a sinner to be justified. What I want to do today is to use this parable as an illustration of what the Bible says about justification by faith alone. So we find this parable in Luke uh, chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I want you to notice in verse 9 that Jesus tells this story to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. These people thought they were good enough to earn God's approval. And their heroes were the Pharisees who they saw as the best examples of righteous living. The Pharisees followed the strictest religious standards. They made quite a production of their, their prayers and their fasting, their tithing and other religious acts. In fact, they often exceeded what the law required just to make sure that they never violated any commandment. So if a Pharisee was unable to be declared righteous based upon obedience, then no person could be. The tax collector, on the other hand, was in a profession that made it almost impossible to be faithful to the law. For one thing, he was an agent of an oppressive pagan government whose leader claimed to be God. That's who he worked for. Second, the Roman tax system essentially functioned on extortion and theft. Tax collectors were incentivized to swindle and steal and take advantage of others. And so it would be very difficult to see how any righteous person could work as a tax collector in Rome. And so virtually every first century listener would have expected the Pharisee to be the hero of the story. And yet Jesus flips this completely upside down. And in the end, it's the repulsive tax collector that ends up being justified and the religious Pharisee isn't. So what is happening here? What is going on? Well, there's no question that in terms of outward obedience, the Pharisee far exceeded the tax collector. The tax collector has no works whatsoever, whereas the Pharisee seems to have done quite well with many things. After all, he had never extorted anyone. He had never committed adultery. He fasted twice a week, and he paid tithes on all of his income. Notice also in verse 11 that he even gives credit to God for his outstanding obedience. We could say that he thanks God for his infused righteousness. What then is the justice of a justification 
where it's the sinner with no works that's declared to be righteous, while the religious person with lots of works is left in sin. What's the logic? The first observation that we need to make is that both of these men were sinners. The Pharisee was trusting in his own works, and he undoubtedly had many, but God's standard of righteousness is perfect sinlessness. Perfect sinlessness. In Matthew 5.20, Jesus says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And later, in that same chapter, Jesus says this, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Think about that. We were created to bear the image of God, and that is the standard by which we are measured. We are to be perfect, not how we think of it, but as God is perfect. Well, if perfection is, a sta is the standard, then it disqualifies anyone who's ever committed any sin no matter how many other good things we do. A few months ago, I was making some omelets, and I realized that one of the eggs that I cracked into the bowl was, was bad. Well, I couldn't fix that by just adding more good eggs on top of that. Once that rottenness was already present, once corruption enters, you can't get rid of it by adding more good stuff on top of it. And that's the way it is with sin. Justification is actually a legal term. It's a verdict that's rendered in God's courtroom. So to be justified means to be declared to be innocent of any violation of the law and to have right standing before God. Crimes, which is what sins are, ultimately cannot be erased by following the rest of the other laws. So can you imagine what would happen if you went into the Allegheny County Courthouse and told a judge that in the past you murdered somebody, but it's okay because now you've turned your life around and you're perfectly law-abiding. Do you think that the judge would say, good job, I'm glad you got it all figured out, you're free to go? No way, they're going to lock you up. In the same way, God won't ignore our past crimes simply because there are other crimes we didn't commit. I mean, it doesn't even work that way in Allegheny County. Why would he ex we expect it to work that way before a holy God? So good works can never justify anyone who's ever sinned. The Pharisee greatly underestimated the holiness of God and foolishly trusted in his own works to make him acceptable in God's sight. He, and he took pride in the very law which was designed to show him his lack of righteousness. So rather than humbling himself, he completely misunderstood the, the role that works played in his relationship with God. 
You see, the commandments, all those rules, were never intended as a path to justification. In Galatians 2.16, the Apostle Paul says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. He goes on later in the chapter to add this. For if, the law had been, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness indeed would be by the law. But he concludes this. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The purpose of the law, the purpose of the commands was to show us that our righteousness does not measure up and that we need Jesus. The law points us to Christ. The Pharisee completely missed the, the entire point of the commandments. So he was like one of those the Apostle Paul describes in Romans 10, verse 1 through 4, when he says, They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end or the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We can therefore see that there's no hope of being accepted by God on the basis of our works. I mean, the best works you could do would be the works God commanded in his law. They don't work, no work will. And so even the most disciplined attempt at obtaining righteousness through our own goodness and obedience will always fall short. If we are to be justified, it must be based on our righteousness that does not come from us. The second thing we should notice is that justification is an instantaneous declaration by God. There's no process that God's recognizing here. It's instantaneous. Verse 14 says, he went down to his house justified. He left there justified. Now, it is likely that this tax collector changed a lot of things about the way he was living after this day. But that isn't why he was justified. He is declared just based upon his faith alone. He's justified without any works to show for himself. He knew that he had nothing to offer God that would be worthy of God's reward. And so he simply threw himself on the mercy of the court, admitted his sins, and asked for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, that's what a prayer of faith looks like. He's repentant and trusting entirely in God's promise to provide salvation rather than trusting in himself. He knows that it is not merit that he needs, but mercy. That's what faith looks like. 
His justification is instant. He doesn't perform any sacrifices or penance. There are no works of charity or works of love mentioned. He isn't even baptized yet. He prays a prayer of faithful repentance and is declared to be justified without having done anything. This is in stark contrast to the Pharisee who rather than seeking the righteousness that God promises, tries to offer up his own. The result is that the man who accepts God's mercy is justified and the one who tries to earn it is condemned. As Martin Luther said, he is not righteous who does much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. The law says, do this, and it's never done. Grace says, believe in this, and it is all already done. But sadly, most people believe that they will go to heaven because they're good people. They do not seem to realize that a sinner trusting in their own goodness is actually offensive to God. Isaiah says our righteous deeds, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. It's not just that our attempts to establish our own righteousness are insufficient, but they're actually repulsive in light of true holiness. It's like an extreme version of that tissue test. You know that test where you hold up a perfectly white tissue to your teeth to see how white they are? Well, when you're looking at the mirror and you're only looking at yourself, your teeth probably look pretty good, right? But when you look at them compared to something that is perfectly, purely white, not so much, right? Businesses try to make a lot of money manipulating you with that. <laughs> but it proves the point, right? It's all what you're comparing yourself with. So this tax collector is instantly proclaimed to be justified before God without reference to anything but his faith. But how does this actually work? Because God cannot lie. He's perfectly holy. So how can he look at this tax collector or me or you and say that we're innocent and righteous when even we know that we've sinned? Well, the answer is to be found in the gospel truth of our union with Christ through faith. God, knowing that the solution for sin couldn't come from sinners, and so he came to live under the law as one of us. Jesus came and lived a holy life. He fulfilled every requirement of righteousness under the law. And then without any guilt of his own, he was crucified on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of all those who would ever put their faith in him. He died and was buried, and three days later, he rose again and ascended into heaven, proving that the payment for those sins was accepted. So Jesus satisfied the punishment for the sins of all those who would believe in him so that we would not have to. And you just have to accept this through faith. 
That's how you get connected. But how does the perfection of Jesus and his death and resurrection help me? I mean, normally, in most cases, when I fail miserably at something, it does not comfort me to know that somebody else came along and did it perfectly, right? I mean, that's not what you want to hear. Uh, But the gospel, and this is the key point, brothers and sisters, of union. The gospel is not just somebody else's story. Believing in Jesus isn't just thinking about him. Through faith, we're connected to him in a special way. As believers, we're crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. We're buried with Christ, Colossians 2.12. We're baptized into Christ and into his death, Romans 6.3. Christ is formed in us, Galatians 4.19, and dwells in our hearts, Ephesians 3.17. Christ is in us, 2 Corinthians 13.5, and we are in him, 1 Corinthians 1.30. His life and ours are connected His life is now part of ours, and our life is part of his. Believers, our sins, our sins really were paid for on the cross. Through Jesus, we truly do possess a perfect righteousness before God. Now, it's not a righteousness that originated in us, but it really is ours if we're connected to Christ through faith. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in Philippians 3, 8, and 9. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's like what happens when two people get married and merge their finances. All the husband's debts now become the wife's and all her credit becomes his. When we say that we're justified by faith alone, what we mean is that we stand before God based upon the goodness of Jesus Christ alone. That's the basis upon which we're accepted. We do not, we cannot, and we need not add anything. It's Christ's righteousness that is imputed to us. And that just means that something Jesus earned is credited to us. You might say we have a joint account. What he earned is credited to us. It's imputed. So justification, what justification is, is a declaration that the believer has been credited with the righteousness of Christ through faith. You know, the letter to the Romans is the most thorough presentation of the gospel in the Bible. And we can see how important justification by faith alone is to the gospel by looking at just a few examples of how it's presented in Romans as Paul is sharing the gospel. <clears throat> Romans 3, 23 through 28. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
This was to show God's righteousness. He then goes on a little further to say, uh, so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Faith alone. Romans 4, 1 through 6. What shall we then say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David, also speaking of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from works. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 18 and 19. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, listen, so by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Our main point, that God justifies sinners through their faith in Christ alone, is central to a proper understanding of the gospel. There are so many today who are living in a false confidence that they're going to heaven because they're good. What a tragedy it is that so many will end up in hell because they didn't receive the free gift that God offers of his own righteousness simply by believing in Jesus Christ. Also, there are many believers who even today live defeated and anxious lives because they know that God is holy and they see the sin in their lives and they're discouraged and weakened by that. If that is you this morning, please come see me after or one of the other elders. We want you to understand what it means to have peace with God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm preaching this message. Your joy and your assurance were paid in full on the cross and you can rest in Christ. If, however, good works don't play any role in justification, well, then does it matter how we live? Yes, of course it matters how we live. The scripture is clear that we will all give an account to God for how we live 
and that without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. Well, say, wait a minute. Well, then how is sola fide connected to holiness? Well, again, it comes back to our union with Christ through faith. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul says this, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Notice that Paul says in Jesus, we not only have righteousness, but also sanctification and redemption. If we are united to Christ through faith, we have all of him and everything that comes with it. Therefore, we cannot claim to have the justification that comes from Christ without also receiving the other things that come from being connected with him. It's like having a coin. Uh, if you have heads, you also have tails. You can't have the whole without both of the parts. <clears throat> Therefore, if we have Christ through faith, we will also have his spirit, which produces good works. Final salvation involves more than just justification. Having been justified, believers are also being sanctified and will be glorified. We are justified completely without works, but not ultimately saved apart from them. As Luther said, the faith that alone justifies is never alone. Works are not the basis of justification, but they, they will accompany, accompany it. So acts of love and charity are not optional for believers because those whom God justifies, he also sanctifies. That's why James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? James goes on to show that the fruit of a true and living faith is works of love. So you could say we're not saved by works, but for them. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. And Jesus says in Matthew 7.20, says it much more simply, you will know them by their fruits. Brothers and sisters, there's a day coming where every person will stand in judgment before the throne of Almighty God. If your planned defense is that you're good enough, I'm afraid you don't know God and you don't know yourself. So I urge you, if that's you, I urge you to come to your senses and accept the, the faith in the perfect sacrifice that God provided in Jesus on your behalf. And if you are a believer this morning who is discouraged, I want to encourage you. God's acceptance of you is not based upon what you have or have not done. It doesn't depend on how much religion you have or how much advanced theology you know. All that matters is are you trusting in Christ do you believe in Jesus Christ? If so, then you are free and equipped to pursue holiness with confidence and without 
any shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 500 years ago, Martin Luther and others risked, risked their life to point the church back to a biblical understanding of justification. The need today is just as urgent and just as relevant as it was then. This morning, I'd like to leave you with the words of Clement of Rome, who wrote them over 1,400 years before the Reformation. This is what Clement says. <clears throat> All therefore were highly honored and made great, not through themselves or their own works or for the righteous deeds they did, but through the operation of his will. And we too, being called by his will in Christ Jesus, are not justified by ourselves or by our own wisdom or understanding or godliness or works which we have done in holiness of heart. But by that faith through which from the beginning Almighty God has justified all men to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.